Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, a security, AI, and meaning-focused podcast that looks at how best to thrive as humans in a post-AI world. It combines original ideas, analysis, and mental models to bring not just the news, but why it matters and how to respond. In this standalone episode, I'm reading my essay titled, What I'm Doing and How It's Going, How I Went from a 350k FDE Position to 700k plus doing my own thing. All right, so I've needed to write this for a long time for multiple reasons. Uh, first reason is lots of people have been asking what the hell I'm actually doing. Like, do I work somewhere? What do I actually do all day? Second reason and most important reason is tons of my friends are either miserable at work or they're getting laid off. And three, I believe that the time for being identified by and tied to corporate jobs is passing and it's time to transition to what's coming next. So starting off with the first one, lots of people have been asking what the hell I'm doing. So my most urgent, but least important reason for writing this is just to update people on what I'm doing. I've had constant conversations with people. Like I used to talk to a lot who say things like, so you're still at Apple. And when I'm like, no, I left there years ago and went to Robinhood. They're like, wow, I had no idea. And that's fair enough. I do the same to lots of people too. We don't have time to keep up with LinkedIn updates for hundreds of people that we know. So short version, I was at IOActive, left to go to Apple and built the BI function and platform for InfoSec for three years over there before COVID. Left there to go to Robinhood for a couple of years and build their vuln management team and platform. And then at the end of last year, I left Robinhood to go independent. So why I quit the standard system. So you've probably seen a million of posts or pitches that are like, oh, let me show you how to make $3.7 billion every 15 minutes or whatever. And I've seen those too, and I avoid them. Maybe some of those are real, but I have no interest in like Amazon drop shipping or orphan bloodletting businesses or whatever the hell they're doing. My reason for making the transition was simple. It wasn't about money. I was making good money in corporate infosec. I just had to get away from corporate jobs where one or more of these following things were true. First, leadership didn't know what they wanted. Or if they knew what they wanted, they couldn't articulate it. Or if they could articulate it, they couldn't execute. So the company spends most of its time in planning sessions that will be ignored within a few weeks or a couple months, only to do it again in a couple weeks or a couple of months after that. So essentially you have hours, days, and weeks of time wasted on Zoom calls because of all these problems above. They hire and fire with the empathy of a moldy sandwich. And essentially, I was spending all my time on a thing I didn't think improved the world as much as I could have done if I was doing my own thing. In other words, I felt I was wasting my limited time on Earth. And it was soul-crushing. And I was seriously tired of dreading every single Monday. So here's what I'm doing now. I've transitioned to answering the most important question that I've ever heard. And that question is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? That is a life-changing question, and you should be asking it often. When I ask myself that question, I realize I should be working for myself, building things that help people, consulting with people to help them, and putting that context into the world somehow. So today I run Unsupervised Learning, which is not just the newsletter podcast and the podcast that you're listening to, but the parent company of three separate pillars. First is Builder. 
So I'm building a platform for solving all sorts of problems around purpose, focus, and execution, both for individuals and for companies. If that sounds vague, that's okay. We're still not talking about the product publicly yet. The first product we're building is built on the platform that addresses the primary cause of startup death, which I'll say more when the product is public, but I think it's fire. Or at least that's what I tell myself, and the feedback has been excellent from those who have seen it. So that's number one, building. Number two is consultant slash advisor. So I'm also doing consulting and advising to stay connected to customers and customer problems. I have a customer security assessment that I created and I deliver that myself for customers. It combines technical vulnerabilities and business resilience uh, considerations into a concise prioritized action plan for reducing the most risk for the least amount of time and money. And I also advise companies on both security posture, AI strategy, and go-to-market. And then the third one is the podcast and the newsletter, which of course you know about because you're listening to this. And this can best be thought of as like the output from everything I learned during the week from the other two. So all the books I read, all the videos I watch, all the podcasts I listen to, most importantly, all the problems I see and hopefully solve or help solve when dealing with real challenges while building, consulting, and advising. So in other words, these three tiers are building, helping, and sharing. So to be clear, this is not all figured out. I have a decent system in place, I think, but it's not like I'm making millions of dollars or even sitting on millions of dollars. No, I'm hustling and it's still stressful. And I'm okay with that. More than okay, actually. I'm exhilarated by this because this stress is for something I actually believe in. I get to spend my time thinking about how to help people, helping friends, helping customers, helping you, and ultimately trying to help everyone. It's literally my company's mission, which is to help companies and individuals discover, articulate, and achieve their purpose in life. That is the unsupervised learning mission. Now, here's how I make money in this model. And a lot of you are only here because the subtitle of this post mentions that I'm making somewhere around 700K a year. Hopefully by the end of this, you'll be a lot more interested in the other parts of this than that, but here are the basic income streams. And people, by the way, have told me not to share this in the past because it's too personal or too revealing and the system can be copied. I don't care. I want people to copy this. I want to free people from where they're currently stuck. And a lot more on that in the next section. But first, these uh, streams. So the first stream is newsletter and podcast sponsors. So when you have a highly intelligent and engaged audience like ULs, because of people like you, Companies try to get their name out there and in front of those people. So if you're not huge, like multiple millions of followers or subscribers or listeners, you can't really do like athletic greens or stuff like that, right? That's like NPR level. You have to do specialized companies that make more per sale. And thanks to Clint Gebler of TLDRSAC for lots of collaborations over the years on this. He's one of the smartest people out there in sponsor management. Honestly, the trick is to have someone that's good at it, who you can pay at least part-time to manage leads and copy, etc. I could write a whole book about this actually, but there are a million good YouTube videos on doing this well. And annually income from this, from the show, it's around 450K a year. Next one is paid memberships. So in addition to sponsorships, UL also has paid memberships that get people not just the newsletter and podcast, but also access to the community, member content, lots of other stuff. If you're interested, you can go to danamuster.com slash, what is it? Upgrade? Yeah. Slash upgrade. 
And if you've ever heard of like a thousand true fans, that's a great way to think about this. And the annual income from that is around 130 K consulting. So like I have in the diagram for this post, which you should definitely check out, I created a security assessment methodology and a report that I'm really proud of. And it's taken me years to build this. And I think it provides tons of value. And I do like three to six of these per year. And again, I'm not sharing any of this revenue with other people because it's all under UL itself. And the annual income from that is, I don't know, between probably 70K and like 100K a year, roughly. Next one is retainers. Another great source of income and stress relief is having one to three retainers going with your favorite companies and customers. This is where they pay you a certain amount per month, no matter what, with the ability to ping you or ask you for X, Y, or Z at a particular SLA that you can agree on, like jumping on customer calls, writing content for them talking through strategy with the leadership team, whatever. And annual income for this right now is around 130K. Next one is advising. So this one is mostly equity. I probably have around 10 irons in this fire, I would say, and three real main ones that I spend the most time on. This one is also great for your soul because you should only be doing this with companies you really love and want to see do well. And the annual income from this, there isn't really much from this. This is all equity and the only yield results when the IPO actually happens. Next one is speaking. This is a newer stream for me, um, but I'm having good success with it. I'm looking to do like one talk a month, maybe, or maybe one per quarter that's in person. So I'm currently charging between like seven and a half K and 25 K for those slots, depending on a bunch of variables. And annual income is somewhere around, I would say, 80 to 100K or so. Courses, not done any courses yet. I'm thinking about one. Books, I have one book out. It came out in 2016. No immediate plans to make another one, maybe in 2025 at the earliest. If you look at the really big people, they're all about their courses and books because they produce recurring revenue. I'm just not that cool yet. And uh, yeah, I'm just focused on building this product right now. So... Courses and books take time and they take forever to write and to edit and all that. So I'll get to that eventually. Also, those big people have considerable full-time teams working for them to make that all possible. And I've only have a couple of part-time people. So anyway, if you add all that up, you end up with a pretty good number, especially compared to being stressed out of your mind for half that much. Our projections are actually somewhere around like 650K to like 900K for the year depending on how things go. Now, there are downsides to this, right? Because in this model, you're definitely spending money to make money. Like the numbers sound good, you know, making 900K or, or you know, 700K or 800K or whatever, but there's lots of stress involved on the money side too. The, the biggest problem is that any one of those streams make up a lot of the total and there's lots of outgoing money as well, right? If the economy sputters, sponsors stop buying ad slots. If the economy sputters, fewer people will buy assessments. They'll also, fewer people will sign up for the, the actual membership. And if your retainer companies don't do well, they'll cancel or reduce the retainer. And if there's COVID, you won't be able to do many on-site speaking engagements or on-site consulting or whatever. So you always have to be thinking about the incoming threads, whether they're healthy and whether you need to spin up others for more resilience to conditions. Also, there are lots of expenses, hosting for the site, newsletter, etc. Hosting. Services for product development, SaaS tools, advertising the newsletter and podcasts, 
salaries, accountants, lawyers, travel, licenses, insurance, and other random stuff. This isn't thousands or tens of thousands a year. This is over 100K, plus taxes on top of that, so it's considerable. In other words, this lifestyle is often precarious, at least at the early stage that I'm at. Right now, I feel free to work for a couple of weeks from London, which is like really cool. But at any moment, I could also feel free to live on my buddy's futon because all of my income dried up and like I lost my house or whatever. So that's the money situation. Now on to my main reason for writing this, which is number two, tons of my friends are either miserable at work or are getting laid off. And my question to you is how many people do you know who are actually enjoying their work? This negative attitude towards work is so prevalent in so many people that I know. How many people do you know that have a regular nine to five job where it's just a regular company, they have a regular manager and they're happy? I don't know many. And of course this is multivariate, right? There are surely lots of reasons for people being less happy at work. Maybe we're all spoiled brats. Maybe we don't know how good we have it. But my theory is that it's largely the following. First, companies have realized that they gave away too much power in the push to create a great place to work. They put snack rooms and offsites and all these types of events ahead of performance for a very long time. And sometime around COVID time, they realized they'd made a huge mistake. So now they're clawing it all back. And they're doing this through RIFs, which is a reduction in force. Return to office, which is another way to do a RIF an aggressive trimming of those who aren't performing or don't have the right anything for the company attitude. And the result of all this is that employees are now seeing through the illusion. They're like, wait a minute, these people actually don't care about me or my future. Correct Amundo. It's a numbers game, or more accurately, it's a performance and profit game. It's all about performance and profit, and the rest is hand-waving, designed to attract top-end talent and buff their reputations. They treat star players like pro athletes and everyone else like cattle. And let me be clear, I'm talking about companies as the machines that they are, not, not all the managers, right? There are plenty of great managers inside these companies that treat their people well. But in my model, that's true despite the truth above, not as a counter to it. Next one is that rifts seem to be an accepted technique for cost cutting in many industries now, where they've seen to have a much more negative hue like five or 10 years ago, now it seems a lot more acceptable. And again, that could just be my interpretation. And the last one here, because of all these reasons, employees are becoming disillusioned, demotivated, and generally depressed. I don't want to overextend here because anecdata is not data. So I'll just say that this is my impression from not only my own friend and associate circles, but also reading on broader trends. The result of all of this is that the promise of going to school, getting a stable job at a company, and having some sort of future from that is, or at least feels, more tenuous than ever. I'd have to review lots of data to see if that's true for sure, but perception is often the reality that matters, and I think that's definitely the case here. Now to the broader, much, much bigger issue, and that's number three. I believe that the time for being identified by and tied to corporate jobs is passing, and it's time to transition to what comes next. So think about this. If you ask the average nine-to-five worker who they are, 
they'll tell you where they work. Not what they're about, not what they love, not what they can't live without. They'll tell you where they work. How sad is that? What kind of antiquated, old world, industrial revolution bullshit is that? My interpretation of the previous section is that we're moving into a major societal transition, i.e. the move from corporate identities to individual identities. You are not your job. Your worth is not defined by your corporate manager's opinion of you. You are not your timesheet-punching performance. Your worth is not whether you read the memo or used a cover sheet. Fuck all that. We've had decades, no, generations, where one's self-worth came from their profession. And not just their trade, but the company where they work. And of course, people were also parents and friends and members of society as well. But it's almost like those were secondary to work. For all those reasons, I think it's time for that to end. It's time for us to think of ourselves as individuals first. The problem is the asymmetry of power. Where the corporate machine treats the employees like something to be instantiated and discarded. And to be clear, it's possible to take individualism too far. And there's already an unhealthy version of this in Primadonna's and 10x engineers that cause far more trouble than the value they create. I'm not advocating becoming an asshole and asking for all green M&Ms at your next position. I'm also not saying jobs are bad. Work is amazing. I'm very pro-work. Startups are awesome. And there are many great corporations as well. Places where it's possible to work with a properly dialed-in work dynamic. The problem isn't corporations. The problem is the relationship we've built over generations around working at those corporations. The problem is our indoctrination into the belief that they are important and we are the little scrubs that should be happy that we have a job. And it's lame to quote oneself, but yeah, fuck all that. There is a healthier way. So think about work like a relationship. It's hard to be a good partner if you're not first healthy and independent on your own. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with working at a company, even a corporation. The key is the dynamic between them and you. We need it to be more equalized. And that doesn't mean equal, just more equal. The company's mission is still what matters, and any employee or contractor needs to understand that. But it can be better. In fact, there's already a good model for this, and I'm sure you've seen it before. Think about how companies treat the named, super talented employees they have. They get tons of stock. They have tons of leeway. They are listened to in meetings. They get invited to the table. And they get promoted. Why? Because the company knows two things. One, they're very talented. And two, they can go work anywhere else. The problem with most corporate workers, and indeed most people who can't find a job right now or in constant fear of being laid off, is that they don't have these two things. And why is that? I think it's in large part because of the mindset I talked about above. It comes down to competence and confidence. Look at these two different mindsets. Here's the first one. Wow, can't believe I got a job. Sure hope they like me. Can't believe I'm really an Acme employee. Can't wait to tell all my friends now they'll really respect me. That's the MPC mindset. Now compare that to this. Cool. Pretty excited to be working on this project. Hope they don't have me doing any dumb shit and wasting my time. I came here to work with these smart people and actually accomplish something. If they end up being dumb, I'm out of here. That is the PC mindset. And don't get riled up because I'm using the empathy language. I don't even really like the framing. It seems a bit rude to me. 
but holy shit, it's powerful and descriptive. I'm using it here precisely because it is provocative. And I have been that NPC for many years. I'm telling you this because I want you to be one for less time than I was. So what am I actually saying here? What I'm saying is put your mask on first. I'm saying that it's fine to be part of a startup or a business or a job or a corporation. Completely fine. Not a problem. All good. But you have to be yourself first. The true version of yourself. The powerful version of yourself. You have to be that named, super talented version. And that requires that you focus internally on yourself. In other words, you need to focus on your identity, your mission, your goals, your metrics. You have to know what those are. You have to figure them out and be able to describe them to others. Then you grow your skills. You learn in public. You share things on a website, in a newsletter, wherever. Not so you can become some blowhard influencer. No. So you can become the full version of yourself, the version that doesn't hide, the version that doesn't feel shy, and the version that doesn't stay quiet when you know the answer. Once you become that, only then will you be ready to go into a corporate job in the appropriate orientation. Then you can have a wonderful, healthy, and fruitful stint at any company. Maybe that lasts two years. Maybe it lasts for 12 years. But you do it on your terms without being treated like a goddamn stapler. So here's the summary. Think of how much better life would be if you were the best version of yourself. This is you restrained at 10% of your potential. Imagine what you could do at 100%. I've talked about a lot of stuff here. It's a lot of content. I just been meaning to write this for a long time. And here are the main points. One, yes, I do have a job. Two, I'm building, helping, and sharing. Three, I'm doing it for myself, which is fantastic. And four, and most importantly, I want you to do this too, because I think we're leaving the worker first era and entering the human first era. Ask yourself what you would do if you were not afraid and move towards that life. I'm here to help and I'm rooting for you. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87 AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time.